0: Love what you've done with the building. Uh, Carl showed us yesterday, and we drove in. and We were, we were like Carl and Jess we were in the video, speechless. And they kept saying to him, Well, you've, you've added stuff to the building, you've added on. He said, No, no, I said, Well, you must have done something here. We painted it. It's amazing what a lick of paint will do, yeah, it's eh? Incredible. It looks incredible. And we have um, also had the privilege of getting into the foundry. We have seen the inside. You haven't, have you? It's all papered up out there, expectation building. And it is gorgeous. It's delicious. I want to take it home. I love the name, the foundry. That is so funky, man. You must have a hipster barrister, barista, a hipster barrister. Put a lawyer in there to do the coffee. <laughs> Get the coffee going, uh, but it is so good. Congratulations. Well done. Well led. Uh, Carl and Jess. In, in raising money because these things don't happen unless you give, they don't happen unless the pastor stands up and says, "Give." Well, you're not that blunt. But uh, he does say, come on, work out your finances and give into this project. And so when you pastor the leads and you follow and your team get behind you, I know Greg and the team, huge numbers of you have done a massive job. And it is spectacular. I get to travel around every week. I'm in a different church, uh, preaching primarily in Australia and also overseas uh, as well. But I get to see all ch- different sized churches and different scenarios. And you are so blessed. You have comfortable seats. Oh, you're not too thrilled about that? Okay, I could take you to a church that doesn't have comfortable seats if you want to come with me any weekend. But uh, you're so blessed in in so many ways and so well led as a church. Congratulations on your building. Enjoy that. Be here next week. Don't miss it. Amen. No one's too excited about that, but I know you are. I know in Ipswich, you guys, you you hold your excitement inwardly. Over in Perth, we're just a bit... "Ah!" Okay. Not even excited about that, are you? (laughs) <laughs> it's an AFL thing. We go a bit manic over over stuff. Uh, you may have, have, have heard of this website that's been in the news the last few weeks for uh, interesting reasons called Ashley Madison. You may have even seen ads on TV, uh, the Ashley Madison uh, website. We're going to throw it up on the screen. I, I have had this uh, approved by the pastor to put this uh, up on the screen. This, this horrible website... Uh, disgusting website Ashley Madison life is short have an affair is the byline um, actually life is eternal life ain't short folks life lasts a long time forever is a long time have an affair and it's a website where you can go and join the website put your name up there and basically you're saying you're going in behind a privacy kind of digital privacy screen and you can put your name there as you wanting to have an adulterous affair with someone. Um, stats have come out about the website that about 90% of the members joining are men, 10% are women, and the women don't actually kind of join. Well, they join and then don't get that involved in the website. So it's a massive money-making machine. It's had over 37 million members around the globe. And it's a horrendous, horrible, disgusting thing. I hope you haven't been to the website. Certainly, don't encourage you to go to the website. And you may have heard in the news in the last uh, couple of weeks that some hackers uh, are not happy with this website, have hacked into the website and have published online all the names and addresses of every single member on the website. That's not a happy day for a lot of people and a lot of families and a lot of individuals. But also I was reading um, Ed Stetzer, who is the CEO of Lifeway Resources, large great organization in America and he writes a great blog on Christian leadership. I was reading his blog, this is from three days ago. Uh, This week I've already written a couple of posts on the Ashley Madison hack, an information leak because pastors, Christian leaders, families are facing devastating revelation, the after effects of public sin. Based on my conversations with leaders from several denominations in the U.S. and Canada I estimate that at least 300 church leaders, that is pastors, elders, staff, deacons and so on, will be resigning this Sunday. This is a significant moment of embarrassment for the church and it should be. To be honest, the number of pastors and church leaders on Ashley Madison is much lower than the number of those looking to have an affair. Yet there is still much that we must consider in the midst of the embarrassment. He goes on to write a lengthy blog about it and uses that line, life is eternal. And I, I read that and I heard about the hack on Ashley Madison thought, oh my goodness, that is going to ruin a number of lives. And, and already um, there's a police chief in Texas who has taken his own life because he's been outed as someone, obviously, um, people, people go into these scenarios thinking that they're, they're safe, that their sin will never be found out. And what is found out in a global public sense, the degree of shame. But I tell you what, when I read that and I thought 400 Christian leaders will be resigning this weekend because they got so far away from Christ, they got so far away from holiness, they got so far away from godliness that they got onto a website and thought, well, life is short, have an affair, well, maybe that's an option for me. And I, I am, I, every time I hear about a leader falling or this sort of scenario, I'm devastated on the inside. Sometimes I, if I know the person well and I hear about this level of sin, I get overwhelmed by, by the fact that people have wandered so far from Christ. They've wandered so far from their call. They've wandered so far from their true north, from their faith in Jesus. And it doesn't have to be this way, folks. We don't have to live uh, lives that are so marred and damaged by sin. I thank God that He has a solution for you and I, because I'm sure you've been tempted to do some things that if they went public, you'd be, oh, my goodness, that is not good. You and I live a Christian life, and we don't have to live a life that is marred by... These people's lives will be changed forever, forever. But you and I have a solution in Jesus, and I want to show you this solution today. In John chapter 7, the great gospel of John, verse 37... It says, on the last and great day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Jesus wasn't whispering this in a corner or a little small group, he stood on the great festival, the gathering of Israel to Jerusalem, and boldly proclaimed this wonderful truth. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. John gives us an interpretation of this verse that he wrote decades later when he wrote the gospel. By this, Jesus meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Jesus' solution is not a bundle of laws, it's not a bundle of principles, it's not a bundle of guidelines and do this and don't do this and taste this and don't taste that, touch this but don't touch that. That's not Jesus' solution to the temptations, the enticements that you and I face in this world. Jesus' solution is a revolution on the inside. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Church, never, never lose your thirst for the presence of God. Never lose your thirst for the Holy Spirit. Always have a hunger within you. You know some mornings when you wake up and you've had a big meal the night before but you didn't have any supper, you didn't have any snacks I, WA occasionally will dive into the Tim Tams at 10pm they're just too hard to give up and you, I'll just have two, who knows you can't stop at two Tim Tams, it's just a horrible sin, you're diving in and, but you don't have a night like that you have a nice meal and you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and you wake up with your tummy rumbling you know that and you wake up hungry and, oh man I can't wait to get into the wheat bix just going to a snaffle, I'm gonna have five this morning. I'm just starving. May you ever have a hunger for the Holy Spirit like that. May you ever have a rumbling heart that says, Oh, Holy Spirit, I want you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Let anyone who is thirsty, I'm praying today that while I preach, you'll get thirsty. You'll get a bit of a rumbling heart. You'll get a bit of, oh, I need to have a drink. Lord Jesus, come and fill me with the Holy Spirit. Come and touch me again. Come and fill me. We had a great first service. You should have been. No, you come to the second service, don't you? We had a, what a great service that was. And so I'm kind of like, my, my Lord, I've been about three hours hanging out with the Lord this morning. I'm just on a roll. I think I'll preach through to one o'clock. This is phenomenal wow oh, someone's excited Woo-hoo. i'm not gonna do that you can all relax i got this sense on me now and in me i've already been in the presence of god and you know what i'm saying lord not enough lord i'm still thirsty god i'm still hungry fill me with the holy spirit what a prayer fill me with the holy spirit why don't you sit there right now and just just pray that prayer go, on, go and go pray it out loud fill me lord with the holy spirit just pray it i won't lead you in prayer just pray it out loud. It's okay, you're in church. It's all right to pray this prayer. You might want to do it on the bus, down at the footy stadium, but just go ahead and pray it now. Lord, fill me. Fill me, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, pray it. Go on, come on. Come on, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me, Lord. He who is thirsty, she who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, Scripture said, rivers of living, Lord, it will flow from within them. Jesus wants to envelop you on the inside and do a, do a work from the inside out. Those 400 leaders were no longer thirsty. They'd wandered from the presence of God. They would wandered from the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be like that. I know you don't want to be like that. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. How cool is this? Were later to receive. You receive gifts, you earn wages. The great thing about the Holy Spirit is, I don't care how unholy you've been this week. I do do not care how ungodly you've been with your mouth this week. You can come to church and say, Lord, Lord, I need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is sitting up there and saying, well, frequent prayer miles, let's tick you off, see how much you prayed this week, how much you read the Bible. Those are all good things to do. How much you hung out with Christians, that's all good things to do. How much you shared your faith, another good thing to do. But Jesus is not up there with a checklist saying, well, hang on a little minute, you don't qualify. The only qualification is thirst, yeah. is hunger. That's the only qualification you need to say, Lord, fill me. Because sometimes you can get this guilt thing going, this shame thing. Well, you know what I've done this week, John? I don't care what you've done. I don't think God cares what you've done in the sense that can you receive the Holy Spirit and get filled afresh today? Absolutely yes, without qualification. Some of you don't believe me. Your voice in your head is bigger than my voice in your head. You don't know what I've done. I do not care what you have done. You can receive the Holy Spirit today because once you get filled again you won't want to do that junk. People get on Ashley Madison because there's no, there's no life there's no power within. Oh yeah, whatever, I'll join rule my life, bang, there I go gone. Oh, how good is God? And when the Holy Spirit comes, He does some amazing supernatural things over in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 Jesus had risen wandered around the planet for 40 days wouldn't that wouldn't that be freaky being in Jerusalem for those 40 days you're just about to get stuck in your fish and chips and there's Jesus oh Lord, stop doing that I reckon I reckon occasionally I don't know if the Lord was an Australian but I, I reckon if it was me I'd be kind of like photo bombing people sort of thing wow Lord stop that for goodness sake give me a heart attack doing that. You see the Lord smiling. Or do you reckon he kind of just came in a cloud and go you know, like the old, old movie Max Von side and I'm showing my age here like Jesus? Like he's on valium. So guys on seasick pills. Something like some Jesus is like that going kind of, Jesus would go, Wahoo! <laughs> Party! Hangs around forty days. Ten days later, he says, "Look, hang around, guys. Have a prayer meeting. They have a prayer meeting for ten days. People are coming and going. There's 120 in the prayer meeting. You wouldn't want to be down the road getting a coffee at nine o'clock in the morning when the Holy Spirit turns up. When the day of Pentecost came, the feast of the gathering in of the sheaves of wheat, they were all together in one place. 120. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven. He filled the whole house where they were sitting." They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, came to rest on each one of them. This is remarkable. When the Holy Spirit turns up, He turns up to do supernatural stuff. He turns to do stuff that is not normal. I remember my, my daughter, she was about 14, 15, we We're having a meal one night. She said, Dad, I got a revelation about God. I thought, this is great. My daughter, 14, 15, she's starting to awaken to the Lord in her own way. And she said, two-thirds of, of God's name is odd. thought, wow, that's awesome. That's true. I said, good on you, honey. And she just came eating a meal. I said, that that is is so true. God is weird. God's eccentric. God's quirky. God's not normal. God's not like you and me. If He's like you and me, we're in trouble. He needs to be different. He needs to be supernatural. He needs to be above and beyond us. So if I was going to pour out the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't do weird stuff like this. Fire, people like their heads on fire, kind of no smoke. like the burning bush of Moses, there's fire and flames and kind of freaking me out seeing this fire. And then something crazy goes on. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's cool. The church started with people being filled with the Holy Spirit. The church continues. Carl is so right. The building is not the church. What a beautiful sheep shed. But that's what it is. It's for sheep to gather, the church gathering together to worship, to honor, to give, to bless, to love, to care for one another. But the church is built by the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't even know rules or laws or guidelines or principles or boundaries or all sorts of things to live a holy life. You need the Holy Spirit to lead a holy life. Now filled. Lord, I'm asking right now, because some people are Quiet and shy, more introverted than me. I go to conferences, I sit in the reserved section, but I say, I'm not reserved. I don't know what I'm doing in the reserved section. Can I go in the noisy section, because that'll suit me better. I say, just sit down and shut up, John. Well, I can do the first bit, second bit, never going to happen. If I was was God, I'd fill people with the Holy Spirit, and I wouldn't do this weird stuff that's coming up next. I kind of make them kind of go, oh, I'm going to make a meal for everyone in my street and just deliver it to them and love them. Um, I'm going to mow everybody's lawn in my block. I'm just going to do a good work. I'm just going to smile all day long. I'm just going to go around just being happy. I'm going to give all my money to people. I'm to, that's what I would do if I was God, but I'm not God. God is weird. God says, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and everyone's going to speak in a language as the Spirit enabled them. They are going to speak in tongues. That is weird. Is that strange to you? Strange to me, but that's God, because God wants us to know that when the Spirit comes, He comes to amplify the supernatural. He comes to amplify change. He comes to amplify in your world difference, because you see a a few verses later, verse 11, Peter now filled with the Holy Spirit, probably had his head burning away. He's blabbering away in a tongue that he's never learned. He's probably Freak! I mean, I'd be freaked out of my brain. This hadn't happened before. Imagine being the first group of people where suddenly everyone's burning and going rah, ba 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 That's just. But he stands up moments later, verse eleven. He stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice, addressed the crowd, and he tells them what's going on. He pulls scripture up from Joel. He said, "We're not drunk. This is the outpouring of God. This is the promise for Israel. Here is this guy that less than two months ago was swearing." On the night before Jesus died, I've never met that beeping, beeping guy. I don't know him. And a complete act of cowardice ducks the question. You're want you one of his disciples. Nah, not me, mate. Yeah, yeah definitely you. You, yeah, you, mate. I saw you hanging around. No, you got the wrong, beeping, beeping ep- 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 bloke, mate. Two months later, he's up there preaching powerfully. An older call and 3,000 people get baptized. So don't you tell me that you're not holy enough. is <laughs> an unholy bloke who yeah. filled the Spirit. Change. The Holy Spirit comes into your world to be a great agent of change. Paul, the, the rabid hater of the church, becomes the most fruitful, amazing. Inspirational church planter of the early church is involved. I, I can work out Paul's involvement at least twenty church plants in ten years in the Book of Acts, and that—that's from being a rabid killer of Christians. He gets counted by God. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, and he comes out and goes, "Okay, who's ready? I'm ready to preach." going, Well, that's weird. That's the Holy Spirit. You got John, who is a hater of Samaritans racist to the core, you know Lord, you want us through the village, shall we burn them up, call down some fire and barbecue these (laughs) Samaritans Jesus just rolls his eye you know, what sort of attitude is that we heard the words of John this morning perfect love casts out fear he's the guy who's written probably the most poignant words on loving one another poignant challenging words in one John of love the racist is gone. The lover is here. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has, has engaged, has supernaturally connected and shifted. Oh, that's why. I'm going to just pray it again for you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord. Fill everyone. Right, right from the very back row to the front, very back row to the front, back to the front. You behaving yourself down the back there? I know people down the back. To the front, back to the front, right, right through the whole building every single, Lord, come on, just pray, just pray it out loud, come on, come on, a bit of interactive uh, preaching here, Lord, fill me, fill me, go ahead, don't be shy, fill me, don't worry about the person next to you, they're in church as well, it's okay, fill me, Lord, what a prayer, God loves that prayer, Lord, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, because I, I want you to come and change me, I want to keep changing from glory to glory, into the image of Jesus Christ, and, and, that's going to be my experience it'll be your experience until my last breath i've been following jesus for over 40 years never and, and again i get discouraged with the lack of change in me every now and again I'll, I'll be on facebook and i'll see someone having a facebook life and they're having a glorious life and i'm thinking my life's not like that and i get a bit jealous and then i remember it's just facebook it's not real my mom my mom is 88 she joined facebook this year She's on Facebook. She's, like, she's not a Christian. She's liking my stuff I put up there. My neighbor, who's not a Christian, uh, he's away on a big holiday at the moment. Murray, Murray Farr, great guy, best neighbor in the world. Murray is awesome, retired, semi-retired school teacher. He's on Facebook. He likes everything of my Facebook stuff that's not Christian. <laughs> everything. He just like, like, great John, awesome, so on. But I know he's reading the other stuff amazing, this kind of whole Facebook thing, and you can kind of get on there and feel weird and jealous, and then you can kind of get a bit anxious about your life, and what am I doing? Am I doing well in my life? And you kind of realize, you know what, change is hard. My deal is, if you keep thirsting for the Holy Spirit, He will keep empowering you to keep changing you, and that will be ongoing and ongoing until the day that you take your last breath. You'll never get to the point, well, Lord, I've arrived. I don't need the Holy Spirit. Thank you. I'm good to go. Anyone, anyone there yet? If anyone's there, check their pulse. They're dead. They're gone. They're off the planet. They don't understand. I need the Holy Spirit to keep coming, keep changing me, keep pushing me towards the image of Jesus Christ. God uses a number of things to change it. Sometimes it's the Bible. I'm in the Bible. I'm reading it shifts me sometimes i'll be talking to a friend and uh, a great believer and they'll they'll share Uh, Mandy mutzelberg a few years ago i was just talking through some heart issues that i was traveling through and transitioning our church and just sharing my heart with philip and mandy have been good friends for many years and and i just shared what was going on inside me and and mandy just said oh i know what that is that's that and i went really said yeah yeah that's that's normal normal some of the time and she she just Opened it up for me. And I I just had relief. It's kind of like just a word of wisdom that I've shared many times with many other people. It's great word of wisdom. And it just moved me, it shifted me, it changed me. And that can be through a a friend just doing that. But I want to take you to another thing this morning that is a work of the spirit to bring great change to your life. And is I think absolutely vital. One of the reasons you and I need to keep praying, Lord. Fill me again. Fill me again. It's over in John uh, chapter 14. I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. This is the night before Jesus died. And he had a couple of themes that he primarily focused on the night before he died. And through John 13, 14, right through to John 17. And John 14 to 16 is especially great teaching of Jesus unburdening his heart before his death. And famous last words that known around the world as people approach death, the real important things emerge in what they want to say to family and to friends. And this is no different for Jesus. And one of these major themes through these three chapters into chapter 17, the fourth chapter, is the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's coming. I'm leaving, but I won't leave you alone. So good. The Holy Spirit's going to come. But it's actually complemented by another major theme. And I'll show you a few scriptures because I believe there's a deep correlation between the coming of a spirit and God changing us in one specific area. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus had introduced a few verses before the thought of his Father. And he will go on through these three or four chapters to mention his father 49 times. And and what is probably, if, if you took the time to read this aloud, it's a deep discourse of probably 20 minutes. If you're mentioning someone 49 times in 20 minutes, it's probably to make a point. It's probably to ram home a truth into these disciples' hearts they feel. They will feel desperately insecure the next day as Jesus dies. And Jesus is trying to bring them to a point of change that the Holy Spirit will work on them in their lives. Down in verse 16 of chapter 14. I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate. He will give you. This Father is generous. This Father is big hearted. This Father is loving. This Father is gentle. This Father is kind. This Father is different to your earthly Father. And the Holy Spirit is going to come into your world and redefine what fatherhood is to you. Father, He will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. My Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to be with me forever. The Spirit of truth... Then over to verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. And Jesus, again and again, it's a magnificent passage to read, to read of again and again, Jesus refers to Father. And the word Father for each of us conjures up different feelings, different images. And from the whole continuum of of people who've never met their father, never known their father. Maybe people who've known their father and their father's been abusive. Maybe you had a father like me who didn't know Christ and was abused as a child in a World War II vet and every night would down two or three King Brown bottles of Swan Lager. And some nights he'd be a morbid drunk and some nights he'd be a happy drunk and you never know which drunk you're gonna get with my dad. He wouldn't get fallen over drunk, but it would affect him. And there'd be emotional and verbal stuff that would come out that was just, okay, Dad, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I don't need to be around this. You might have had a dad like that. But your dad might be right at the other end. You might have had a dad who, who, who just loved you, was kind and considerate and certainly imperfect, but certainly a great dad. Or you might have just had an average. We all have feelings when the word Dad comes up. We have feelings. Some people next week, We'll go, Father's Day, oh. Other people go, cool. Other people go, whatever. But Jesus has sent the Spirit of God to redefine who Father is to us. Because your heavenly Father is perfect, but your earthly Father is a poor image of your heavenly Father. Because fathers give you stability. They're designed to give you significance. They're designed to make you feel wonderful and valuable and important. I remember the dad, uh, the day my dad came to a, a cricket game. Dad rarely came to watch me play sport; it just wasn't a priority for him. And I remember that game. I, I remember going out to bat in that game. I remember the the oval. I could take you to the very place. I was fourteen or fifteen, and I kind of walked out to bat, just a bit taller because my dad was there, mum was there too, and I thought, I'm going to do him proud today. I made forty four, not out. I can even rem- how. Is that silly? It's not, is it? You know why? Because there's something about fathers. When they're around, we want to impress them. We want to kind of say, hear those words, Dad, what did you say? I just want to hear proud, proud of yourself. That's what I, that's what you want to hear. I did 44 not out, walked off that ground like I was Ricky (laughs) Ponting. Then I wicket-keeped. And and I, I took a catch that probably if it was video would still be going viral today. Seriously, down the leg side, launched myself one arm, outstretched on the ground, bang into the glove, took it, stood up. (laughs) Brad Haddon, eat your heart out, I am the man. You know why? I feel so good because my dad, my father, and our heavenly father comes to us through the spirit, the work of the spirit, one of the great works of the spirit is to change how you think when you hear the word dad and father. I had to do a journey. I, I remember sitting down with a journal and, and, and just writing down my dad, things he didn't do well, things he did badly. Then I wrote down, I, I had an amazing understanding, I wrote down all the things my dad did well. My mom and dad had been married for over 60 years. How cool is that? Still married. My mom's the most loving, amazing, non-Christian Christian you could ever meet. My dad's just, you know, all sorts of issues because of his childhood and war and stuff. And, Mom just loved him to bits. And I wrote down all the things that the fishing dad taught me, the how, to, how to drag net prawn in the Swan River in Perth, how to catch crabs with a scoop net down in Mandra, how to be faithful to your wife, how to kind of, even though you got some dramas and hassles, and dad certainly had them, how to, how to love your grandkids. He loved my, my kids so much. I wrote down all these things, and that kind of brought a healing to me. Because you know what? Your relationship with your father and mother, is primary. Without them, this is a deep revelation. Without them, you would not be here. <laughs> we we do it deep in Perth, trust me. Real deep. And even if even if you write down this continuum, you've never met your father and you go I got nothing to write, only bad stuff. You can write on this side. My dad brought me into the world. Without your dad, you have no life. And you might need to do a a journey. And and I I reckon these journeys with our fathers are deeply moved and prompted by the Holy Spirit. I remember being in a prayer meeting and and praying and thinking about my dad and I started to cry. And I'm not given to crying. I'm not a weepy guy. Get the right movie and music, yep, tears will flow. But that's about it. Something really tragic, upsetting me, I'll cry. But that's about it, not much i remember weeping i was sobbing in this prayer meeting while the holy spirit and i knew it was about my dad started to do a work of healing because in the process of the, the holy spirit as an agent of change coming into you this is why you and i again and again and again need to be filled with the holy spirit because i think we, even when we kind of get healed of our father stuff we need to still again get redefined of how amazing our heavenly father is and i wept in this prayer meeting And for weeks afterwards, I would say the word Father in prayer. It was just, oh, oh, God, you're a dad. I think this point of change, I think it is something that the Holy Spirit prompts in you and promotes in you for you to seek, to be a disciple. To not be a sloppy believer and just, yeah, whatever. Uh -uh. The Holy Spirit comes along and moves you. says, let's do a work here. Because you know, when you've got a clear sense of God as your father, in a wholesome, healthy sense, you actually feel more valuable. You feel important. You feel significant. You feel called. You feel destiny. You feel a sense of, you know what? I matter. I I count. I can do something that is different. And I personally think, um, it's an ongoing journey this discovery of fatherhood I'm watching in my grandsons Jack and Reese Jack turns five next Sunday on Father's Day and my constant prayer for them has been since Jack since Jack was born five years ago I have one prayer in my prayer journal and every year I roll it over that those boys will know they are loved and so I, I help Scott any way I can to help his fathering and and I just roll up as the grandfather. Yeah. And I like to be grand in my fathering. Nothing is too much trouble. Jack comes over, sleeps over the night. Oh, what would you like for breakfast? Oh, ice cream. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and let's send your mother a picture. Ha <laughs> ha. Jack eating ice cream, big smile on his face. He's gonna happy. And Aaron's going. I'm going to know what my daughter's like. She's a bit of a that's why he's so well behaved but I know what she's like she's going oh here we go granddad is on the job again because I want him to have as best as I can imperfectly reflect a heavenly father because he's going to know his heavenly father at levels and layers upon his whole decades of life and this will roll on I reckon I'm in my 60s now I reckon in my 70s and 80s and 90s God willing I get into my 90s I'd like to get into my 90s 100 not out That I'm not sure about that but I reckon I'll keep having revelations of who God is as a father because I think it's one of the most primary things that can shift your world. And like everyone who's going to pray with people today, could you come and stand at the front for me? Those are going to help us pray because I want to open up the altar call for you to have prayer. And it's, it's not that you need to have prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But sometimes it helps to have a godly leader lay hands upon you. It's a biblical thing, Old and New Testament, to have hands laid upon you. Because there is a point of touch that is a point of impartation and connection that can release a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit and a fresh outpouring, a fresh anointing. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, Keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on. You don't say, just get filled with the Spirit and that's it once. Uh-uh. It's says, keep being filled. Don't stop being filled. Don't stop being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to start to come now. I want you to come out of your chairs. Come and stand here. I'm going to pray for these. People are going to pray for you in a minute. I'm going to pray for them. But I want you to come now. I want you to come and receive prayer to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I want you to leave your seat.